Melissa, welcome. Thank you very much, Alan. Excited to be here. Well, it's exciting for for me to be with you uh, because we share a lot in common. Um, And uh, so we already have a connection, which is great. Yes. And the deep connection that we have is mindfulness. Uh, And so what I like to do is have the audience uh, experience your stories and about mindfulness and how you got into the mindfulness umbrella uh, and various paths under the mindfulness umbrella and and how you bring mindfulness into the world uh, to heal, to heal the stress and the agitation caused by the, I'll, I'll put them in quotes, but the chaos that's happening with all the stirring up of our thoughts. And so I'd like to welcome you to the Mindful You podcast and have at it. Well, thank you. And I'm just going to go back a little bit in time, back to when I was in the corporate world, which was up until eight years ago. And back then, I really didn't know anything about mindfulness. I Sure, I'd heard of meditation. I'd never done it. didn't really understand the value of it. I was in that go, 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 do, do, do world that the corporate world gets you caught up in. And then one day, Big Fish bought Little Fish, and I was just given an hour to clear out my desk. And after 24 years, not even a word of thanks. And in that moment, I knew three things. I knew I was never going to work for someone else again. Whatever I did next had to be more of service to the planet and humanity. And that I had no idea what that would be. And that was really the start of my journey into mindfulness, because now I had time, time to explore who I was and what I wanted to do with the second half of my career and to allow myself to be guided into that versus forcing it. And I literally went from the hotel world of corporate to health and wellness and health and wellness had never been on my radar other than I you know, tried to eat well and exercise and look after my health. And through a series of circumstances, I was very much guided into this work. And part of that was both of my daughters going through concussions at a very similar time. And I don't know if you've ever experienced concussions in your household, but it's tough for anybody to have a concussion, let alone teenage girls, and one in particular who was in grade 12 at the time. And life just shuts down because the brain can't handle that normal level of energy that it used to be able to handle. So she couldn't go to school. She couldn't participate in all the fun stuff all the other kids were doing, couldn't go to prom, couldn't go to graduation, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? And so feeling like I'm missing out on everything and it's very easy for people with concussions to slip into meditation, I mean, sorry, into depression. So I started learning about meditation and mindfulness to support her and also started learning that everything happens for a reason. And there was a reason I got let go. There was a reason she had this concussion. And part of me being let go was so that I was around and had the time to support both my daughters through their healing journeys. So we started practicing mindfulness 
and slowing down as part of the healing process for these concussions and stepping into guided meditation practices and just allowing the time to sit still and be. And, you know, reading the research about how powerful this is, how healing it is for our mind, for our entire nervous system. I started learning about breath work. And again, we have our breath with us all the time. It's something that we can do anywhere to drop ourselves out of that fight or flight state and into our parasympathetic nervous system state. And soon after working with both girls and supporting them through their healing journey, I had also connected with a company that specialized in brain health supplementation. So I was giving them really good nutrition to support the healing as well as seeing physiotherapists to help them. I became known in my small community for helping my girls recover and both did fully recover. And then I was asked to work at a clinic. Yeah, it was very good news. Thank you. And I was asked to work at a clinic, a holistic clinic that was opening to help more people with concussion recoveries. And there is a need. I live in a ski town in the winter. It's skiing in the summer. It's downhill biking. So there is a lot of concussion. However, I couldn't work there because I couldn't get insurance because I didn't have any training. I just had my own learning research and experience with my daughters. So I realized I need to go back to school. So I did that. I went back to school and became a health coach. And even that was a gift because I'd never even heard of the term health coach before, but I had called a friend who was a life coach and thought maybe I should be a life coach that had kind of been bouncing in the back of my head and not landed. And I asked him where he did his training. And he said, you shouldn't be a life coach. You need to be a health coach. And I went, what? What's that? And I took that to be a gift from the universe, started researching health coaching schools and literally started 10 days later. I found one that I really aligned with and jumped right in. And one of the first things that I learned there was that self-care is not selfish, And previously, I had always thought that it was and that I had to look after everybody else first before I could look after myself. And I loved how it was presented, that it is the most selfless act. And I then added a little bit more of a mantra to that, that self-care is the most selfless act because it allows you to show up and give the world the best of you instead of what's left of you. Oh, that's sweet. Say say that again. Go ahead and say that again. It's very sweet. Self-care is the most selfless act because it allows you to show up and give the world the best of you instead of what's left of you. Yeah. And that was absolutely pivotal for me because I realized that I was giving my loved ones, the ones nearest and dearest to me, what was left of me, right? I thought I was serving them first, but I was actually running on empty and giving them what was left of me. And when I flipped it on its head and decided that I could care for myself first, I did have more energy for them. And so then I was able to build into my day and build my day around my self-care, which included the mindfulness of a yoga practice, which I love, absolutely love my yoga, the mindfulness (laughs) of a meditation practice, you know, and starting and ending my day with some meditation I built in a gratitude practice because I learned that our thoughts are so powerful 
and our thoughts impact our actions, our behaviors, our results. So if I could change my thoughts, that would change my behaviors, that would change my results. And why not create more positivity out there, right? A lot of us go to sleep stressed out. We wake up in the night, we're already thinking about what we need to do the next day, and we're not getting great sleep, which means we wake up tired, less resilient to the stresses of the day. What if we could go to bed and have a really good, deep, restorative sleep? And one step in that is simply going to bed with positive thoughts running through our mind, because I learned our unconscious mind will work on whatever those last thoughts are we have as we go to sleep, and it will work on them all night long. So what are you thinking about as you're falling asleep? Are you thinking about the action, violent movie that you just watched? Are you thinking about the book that you just read? And what are you feeding your mind in those last minutes before you go to sleep? And so what I started doing was feeding my mind gratitude and thinking about my day. What was I grateful for and writing it down in my journal? And that let me go to sleep with all those positive thoughts and have a deeper, more restorative sleep. It also had just a really profound impact on how I went about my day because now it was in my RAS system that I was looking for gratitude. Our brain is wired to look for danger. Uh, say that. What's the acronym? The reticular activation system, the RAS system in our brain. Okay. That's when it becomes aware of something. So just as an example, um, you go and buy a new car and you've, you've tested four or five different cars and you've settled on a Subaru. You've never had a Subaru before. You haven't even noticed them on the road, but it was the best car in the test driving and you love your new Subaru. And now you're driving it around and oh my goodness, there's Subarus everywhere you look because it's in your reticular activation system, whereas it wasn't before, right? So I was doing this with gratitude. And instead of my brain looking for the danger to protect me from, it started looking for the things that I could be thankful for. So then I was able to raise my vibration, raise my happiness level, because I'm looking for the good in people. I'm looking for the good in my day versus just relying on my safety mechanisms that are looking for the danger and looking for the negativity. That's the power of gratitude and having a gratitude journal and changing our outlook on how we go through our day, how we go through our life. So those are some of the key steps that I have implemented in the last eight years and continued because I implemented them all very soon after learning all of this. And I've continued my learning. And more recently in 2022, I really dove into understanding the power of the unconscious mind as well as hypnosis. And I became trained as a hypnosis teacher. And that is, again, tapping into the ability to go into a deep relaxation, have the brain waves that are a theta brainwave level where we are going inside. The answers are all inside us when we slow down and we pay attention. How many times do we get a symptom of an illness And we ignore it. Uh, It's aging. It's seasonal allergies. It's my genetics. As opposed to recognizing that that symptom is our body's way of talking to us and asking us to do something differently. And when I work with my clients, that's what I'm teaching is I'm teaching the awareness of the way that our body communicates with us. And we can tap into that when we slow down and get into that space 
of mindfulness. And I'm sure it's very similar to the work that you do. We just may approach it from different ways. Uh, words that I would use stillness. Yes. Uh, between the sounds that mm-hmm. you speak. Uh, the sound is a heat, fire. Stillness is a cool, quiet, still. And there's no stress in stillness. Correct. So by training people to be still, especially with meditation, I, I'm a meditation becomes a, a daily practice that that I, 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 uh, I want. Yes. And I I did yes. my work with Sadhguru and his Shambhavi practice and Sunya and. It's all about becoming still, and and I'm in the psychology business, and we deal with the ego and the being, um, and you were talking about the mind-body relationship. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that, because it's important that people realize uh, the, the power of your thoughts to create the physical changes in your body, and that idea about gratitude is a real sweet idea uh, to focus your attention on what you want to have happen in your life versus, you know, the things that you don't don't like or don't want and just think about, oh, that's that's really a, a, a valuable gift that you just gave our audience. I want to underline that with a big thank you. It's my pleasure. And yes, that mind-body connection is so powerful. Every single experience that we've ever had is stored in our mind and body, in our cells, as well as in the filing cabinet in our unconscious mind. It retains every single memory without judgment for later access by the conscious mind. And I think of the the mind gives the directions and the body is simply the robot. And I'll give you an example of how powerful this is and how our thoughts not only change our, you know, our actions and our behaviors and our results, but they will actually biochemically change our body. So if you were to close your eyes right now, and if you're driving, listening to this podcast, please don't. Everybody else, just close your eyes and imagine that you're standing in your kitchen and you can see all the counter spaces and you can see your refrigerator right in front of you. And I want you to go to your refrigerator and open up the door and then open up one of the drawers in your refrigerator and pull out a nice, juicy, yellow lemon. And as you do that, close the drawer, close your refrigerator door and lift that lemon up to your nose and smell that lemon scent. And now I want you to take that lemon over to the counter Get your cutting board, get yourself a knife, and slice that lemon in half. And as you slice that lemon in half, you feel some juices spray out and land on your fingertips. And I want you to slice that one half in half again and in half again. So now you have a nice one-eighth wedge of lemon. And bring that lemon up to your mouth and bite into it. It's so juicy. 
And then you're going to throw that rind away as you enjoy that lovely, fresh lemon. And now I want you to open your eyes and tell me, what happened? Did you notice saliva start forming in your mouth as you were imagining slicing and biting into that lemon? It was like it was real. The same kind of reaction that I would have with the real lemon, my my body was, especially in my mouth, there was a, a, a bitter, oh, it's going to be bitter. Ooh, you know, I could feel it. Exactly. And so that shows you the power of our imagination, which is all in our unconscious mind, your ability to pull on past experiences, to be able to create that image in your mind of that lemon, as if you were really doing it, the mind doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imagined. And so as a result, even though I had you imagine it, the mind thought it was real. So it thought you were going to eat the lemon. So it starts producing salivary enzymes in your body. How cool is that? So that's why I say the body is the robot of what we're thinking in our mind. And this is powerful because when we tap into the unconscious mind, which is where we have access to 90% of what our mind can access versus the 10% in our conscious mind, we have access to so many more resources. And this is the power of hypnotherapy. It's the power of mindfulness. It's the power of imagination. Willpower. People try to do things by willpower, make change behaviors, et cetera. And that is all conscious and it doesn't work because we know, and we know it doesn't work because by the end of January, most people have fallen off their new year's resolutions, right? But when we instead tap into the unconscious mind, we can create behavioral change that lasts and we can do it quickly and effectively because our mind controls the body to that extent. And this is really, really powerful knowledge to have. And it all ties into mindfulness, and understanding the importance of our mind, the value of our mind, and our ability to calm our mind, which is so important in today's world, because as you mentioned earlier, we're living in a stressed out state. The world was the most stressed out it had ever been before the pandemic, and now it's worse. And everybody looks around and sees everyone else stressed out and normalizes it and just assumes that it's okay. And they don't realize the downside negative effects that it's having on their health. 90% of all doctor's visits are due to stress. 65% of all chronic illness and disease is due to stress. So we as a human population need to learn to calm our mind, which will calm our body and get us out of that fight or flight state. It is meant to only be to get us to safety in dire moments of a tiger chasing us when we're hunting for food right. versus in and out of it all day long because your boss yelled at you and your kids are cranky and you and your husband had a spat and you got stuck in traffic and you got a flat tire and you got to the gas station and they had no gas and all those other things that happened. We need to learn to calm our bodies for our long-term health and wellness, but also for our happiness today. Because in that stressed out state, it's really hard to find happiness and joy and live in that place. I like to uh, jump into the calm the body. Uh, calm the body to me is 
Well, yeah, I got my mind and all those, and I can't control my thoughts, but I can control a lot of things about my body if I choose to. Got to give up the thoughts, but, and you talked about breathing. And so let's talk a little bit about the value of conscious breathing. The value of conscious breathing is simply that it does trick your brain into believing it's safe and it gets you out of that fight or flight state and into your rest and digest state. And so it is very calming on the mind and the entire body. And again, it doesn't have to take long. All of the mindful act mindfulness activities we're talking about can be done in little short spurts, five minutes throughout the day, 15 minutes. You don't have to find an hour in your, in your calendar to do this. Just start with five minutes and build on that. And once you've built on that, you will notice that you're more productive because you're less stressed, you're more focused, and then you're more productive, you get more done. And that in and of itself creates more time for you to spend in mindfulness. So breath work, my favorite technique is called five, five, seven breathing. And you literally breathe in for five counts you hold for five counts and you exhale for seven counts and you do this for 10 cycles and the brain catches on and goes, huh, I thought I was stressed out, but I'm breathing like a safe person. I must be safe. And that's when it will switch off the fight or flight system and turn on the rest and digest system. And that's because if you are running away from a tiger, you're going to be running hard and therefore panting. There's no way your exhale is longer than your inhale in that stress moment of getting to safety. So by making the exhale longer than the inhale, it tells the brain you're safe. The other thing that it does is so often when we're in a stressed out state is we've got all these thoughts ruminating in our mind and we can't keep up. But when we have to start doing all of this counting, of five, five, seven, and 10 cycles. I don't know about you, but I count the five, five, seven in my head, but I count the 10 cycles on my fingers. So all of this concentration on the counting releases whatever was running around in your mind so frantically having you stressed out. So it has a double whammy positive effect. This can be used anywhere. You can do this when you're driving and stuck in traffic and you're going to be late. You can do this just sitting at your desk. You can do this before you eat a meal. It's actually really helpful to do that because it actually turns on your digestive system because it's a rest and digest state and it allows your body to properly digest your meal and get the nutrients from that meal. You can do this if you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't get back to sleep because the mind's already thinking about the next day. You shut that off. You start doing your counting and you'll fall asleep again. If you're like me, you fall asleep before you get to number eight. I don't do it very often, but when I do, I've never actually got past number eight before I've fallen asleep again. So it's a very powerful technique. And if you would like, I can just guide you through a couple of rounds of it so you can experience it. The listeners can experience it again, as long sure. as we're not. Sure. Okay. You have to so close my eyes. Yeah, I'm going to have you close your eyes again. Anybody listening and not driving, close your eyes because just closing your eyes allows your brain to settle and calm because we get so much in through our eyes, so much information. And when we close our eyes, 
it just that allows the brain to start calming. Of course, if you're driving, please don't close your eyes, but you can do this with me anyway. So I want you to inhale, two, three, four, five. Hold, two, three, four, five. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Inhale, two, three, four, five. Hold, two, three, four, five. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Inhale, two, three, four, five. Hold, two, three, four, five. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Inhale, two, three, four, five. Hold, two, three, four, five. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Inhale, two, three, four, five. Hold, two, three, four, five. Exhale, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So now open your eyes when you're ready. And how was that? You feel uh, uh, grounded. Yes. You're you're no longer lost in the dream of thoughts. You are uh, anchored in a, an energy field in your in your body because uh, that's where I'm putting my attention. Yes. I and recall. Very, go on. I was going to say it's very very calming for people. So the listeners are probably thinking, oh, I just feel calmer, right? I only did five rounds and it only took about two minutes. So do the 10 rounds so that your brain goes, hmm, I thought I was stressed out, but I'm breathing like a safe person. I must be safe. And it will switch into your rest and digest nervous system. <laughs> well, I love it. I love the uh, practical things that you don't need to go to the university for 50 years or sit on top of the mountain. Uh, you have access to this tool of mindfulness called breathing and yes. become more conscious of your breathing. And you have to pay it in, in the Buddhist tradition. They talk about disembodied is you're following your thoughts embodied. You're following your, your body. And anytime you can cut the connection between the the mind doing the the mind thing and the body it disrupts the the pattern um, and you are released from the from the grip of the thoughts and that's freedom that's that's in india they call it mukti to be able to release yourself from the grip of the thoughts but most people what do you mean grip of my thoughts what 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 do you mean they don't, they don't understand the the concept that the thought is something that exists in, in a space. Um, and if you mm -hmm. begin to focus on the space rather than the thought, um, the thought becomes observable. Um, and yes. and when, you can, when you can observe the thought, you can manage the thought to think thoughts of gratitude rather than thoughts about things that would be detrimental to my physical body. 
Um, and so that's real uh, powerful wisdom uh, that you share with us. So I really appreciate that. Well, and I think that ties in back to what I was saying earlier, that everything happens for us. Right. So when we're in that moment of struggle and potentially going into victimhood and the thoughts running around in our mind about why me, da, 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 that if we can pull ourselves out of that thought pattern and into if everything happens for us, why is this happening now? What am I supposed to learn here? Because when we learn, we move through it and get beyond it. And there is always the learning. Why was I let go from work, from my job that I love for 24 years? Because I hadn't yet found my purpose. I didn't even know I had a purpose to find, in all honesty. However, that journey led me here where my purpose has been very clear. I've found my passion. I love this work. And if I hadn't been let go, I would have stayed where I was, right sitting in the middle of my comfort zone. Why did my kids have concussions? Part of that was because I, it was part of getting me to where I'm at, but also for them. My oldest daughter wasn't ready to go to university that year. She was doing what everybody else was doing and applying, and she got um, rejected by her first choice university, so she applied at another one. That rejection was a sign because it didn't come when all the other rejection letters came out. It came later. She'd been tentatively accepted and then got rejected. And I wondered what the sign of that rejection was, and I didn't know it at the time. Then she got accepted at her second choice university and the next day got a concussion. And that told me she simply wasn't meant to go to university yet. And if she kept you know, getting rejected and applying and getting into other places, that wasn't going to work for the universal plan for her, right? So they gave her a concussion. <laughs> which was also aligned with my learning and moving me into health and wellness. And it had her not go to university until the following year when she was much more mature and ready and able to go and live away from home across the country. Everything happens for a reason. And what I find is when I apply that, the stress of whatever that situation is, is released because I know it's happening for me, not to me. And when I step into that place, I'm open to the learning. It still might not be a great situation, but I'm open to the learning and I've moved myself out of victimhood and keeping myself in the stress. And that's the power of our mind that we can do that. We have 70,000 thoughts in our mind every single day. What are you saying to yourself? If you spoke to your friends the way you speak to yourself, would you even have any friends? Are you aware of what you're saying to yourself? Because a lot of it is deeply embedded in our unconscious mind that was rooted there in our you know, zero to six age group or years. And it's no longer serving us as adults. It served us then. It had a purpose then. It's no longer serving us as adults. And it's the root of our limiting beliefs. And so that's work that I do with clients as well as we will use timeline therapy to release the negative emotions that people are carrying around because they've been squashed down because we've been taught not to feel our emotions and they're stored in our body, in our cells, as I said earlier, that can create toxicity in and of themselves and cause disease. We release all of that and we release those limiting beliefs. 
and shift you into the beliefs that you want to have that will serve you in moving forward in your life. And it's powerful work. Our mind is so powerful and we only know this much about it. (laughs) But the more I learn, the more I am absolutely blown away, blown away by the power of our own mind that we carry with us each and every day. And that unfortunately, this isn't taught through our education system, but I truly wish it was. We could teach this to our elementary school students. It's starting to happen, actually. At my local high school, they now do actually have a mindfulness class, which teaches yoga to our high school students, which I'm thrilled about. I started trying to implement that back when my kids were in elementary school. And at the time, unfortunately, I was told we can't have yoga classes at school because that's got religious connotations and we don't do religion in public school. And I'm like, can't we just call it stretching class then? Quiet time and stretching class. It took me until my daughter was in grade 10 and I was working at that holistic clinic and we owned a yoga studio as well. And it was right across the street from the high school. And I was able to get our high school kids to come to yoga classes during their gym classes for one year. And that was great. And then what happened is they had a gym instructor go and do a mindfulness teaching course so that she could then teach mindfulness in the high school. So we're getting there. We're getting there. I love it. My uh, thought about the speaking piece is that the, the creation of the pause between the sounds can be taught to very young children. Exactly. And when you can disrupt the speaking, which is the ego, uh, to shift to the empty space of the being uh, at an early age, then there's less resistance to what's going on in front of them. Uh, because there's now a space you've been practicing between the sounds you speak, which also disrupts the thoughts that you think. Um, And then you get to experience what's on the other side of the thoughts that you're thinking, which is that infinite space of being. But you never get to do that because you're too too constipated on your ego, by your thoughts. Uh, And I I call that in my business the, the aeration of your thoughts when you speak. Just begin to aerate, put spaces. And you'll notice that the oxygen flows through the empty spaces into your body. And the and the relax waves of relaxation flow through the empty spaces that you just created in your speaking. And that will that will be a uh, that'll, that'll, that'll be a it's free. Uh, it it's easy. You could you could easily uh, teach a teacher to play a game of let's play a game of pausing and it's so easy and it's so relaxing and allows so many things to happen and it's and it's free well before we complete the podcast i just want to thank you melissa it was it's like listening to an oracle uh, it's just a, <laughs> a wisdom you have focused your energy on a particular path and you are building your muscles on that path, and you're able then to coach other people who are on that path by using these practical gifts that you've developed in your own in your own experience. And before, is there anything else you'd like to share with the audience that that would ways of contacting you? Uh, you know, programs that we can contact you uh, that you'd like to share now with the audience? 
Sure. Thank you very much. So the easiest way to contact me is simply melissa at yourguidedhealthjourney.com. Or if you go to my website, yourguidedhealthjourney.com, there is a contact button there that you can use as well. Um, One of the programs that is new for this year that I'll be teaching every month, I'm actually teaching it this Saturday and again in March and onwards, is Learn Self-Hypnosis. This is a tool that you can have to use for the rest of your life. That is a form of mindfulness. It's tapping into the power of your unconscious mind to affect the change that you want to create in your life. It puts you in the driver's seat. It gives you that freedom that you mentioned earlier, Alan. And it's a one-day masterclass. It's very experiential. It's a ton of fun. Because again, remember, the unconscious mind is all about imagination, playfulness. It's literally the age of a toddler. So that's where we get to play during that day. And you walk away with skills that, as I said, you can use for the rest of your life that will give you 10,000 times more focus on whatever it is that you want to achieve. And you can literally hypnotize yourself into calm, into joy, into passion, into love, into health, into all the positives that you want in your life. And it's easy to do. And you can, again, do it anytime, anywhere in just five minutes once you learn how. Wow, that's exciting. It is. It (sighs) really is. I've had so much fun teaching it this year and had great testimonials from participants that have already done the, the course with me. Again, we could be teaching it at elementary school. We're not. But I love sharing this with the world to give people the tools and allow them to understand the power of their mind and be able to have tools that they can use every day for the rest of their life. Wonderful. Well, thank you for all the tools and experiences of using the tools uh, and how it altered your life and changed your life. And especially especially what resonates in my mind is that journal of gratitude. That, that was a nice thought about, oh, yeah, I could focus on giving life support to that thought rather than giving life support to these other thoughts. So thank you again, exactly. Melissa, for being a wonderful guest on the Mindful Podcast. It's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you for having me, Alan. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. And please catch us on the next great episode of the Mindful You podcast. And please share us with your friends and fellow travelers on the path.